Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Palace Road podcast. I'm Alex. I'm in an absolutely steaming mood, like half the Palace fan base. I don't think there's any surprises there. Um, we were going to discuss some really important quotes by Roy Hodgson from, uh, and we have to give credit where it's due, uh, Five Year Plan, the uh, the FYP Palace podcast. It's a really good interview with him. There's plenty to unpack there. But I think we had a bit of a sort of crisis meeting uh, late last night after the Luton game. We had a sort of live stand up, which was really great for getting listeners in. So we really wanted to sort of dissect that and take a more formal look at some of the points that were raised and really just sort of do a more bite-sized episode this time and just look at the defeat to Luton Town in detail. Um, joining me is the Palace Way's very own Bobby Manzi. Some of you will know him from Twitter. He's our senior editor here, does a great job managing the team of writers and is himself an accomplished writer in his own right. You know, we're blessed to have his talent and uh, we're also blessed to have his insight on this pod. So Bobby, how are you doing? Hi, Alex. Yeah, thank you very much for the kind intro. Um, I'm good. Apart from that Palace defeat yesterday, but apart from that, all good. Um, weird game of football, but there's not much more to say than that, really, or not to start with anyway. I was going to say, fantastic, let's just end the pod here then, weird one, boom, bosh, no, 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 but seriously, there, there is a lot to unpack in there. You know, I'm, I'm, you're on the Bevs, I see, by the way, which I think the listeners won't see that, but I think that's a really good point, because that in itself is something I think that sums up the kind of mood right now it was one of those games that just made me go oh god I need a drink right now and I don't drink anymore so uh, it was a particularly tough one for me personally in that respect but uh, no jokes aside I mean uh, we have to accept that going into this game there was always an expectation that Palace would be pretty strong we were the favourites you know man to man as you said last night on our on our sort of live special you know you would expect this to be a game in which we, we roll over them but Equally, you know, there is no such thing as a guaranteed three points in the Premier League. And I think this game really showed that, you know, there were there were plenty of individual mistakes. There were plenty of good moments from Luton for Palace. Of course, a wonderful Elise goal, which we thought at the time was a goal of the season contender, only for then less than a day later, <laughs> gone actually to score a fantastic overhead kick against Everton. So that was great, wasn't it? Oh, it was brilliant. I have to admit, three minutes into a game or thereabouts, I mean, it's it's... It was right up there with Rooney. I've already seen the comparisons, and you know you have to admit that's a hall of famer. But um, yeah, I don't, we'll get I don't think goal gets close to that. No, no, this, no, no way. The goal of the season, it, w- it would take something very special. No, I, d- I don't think we're going to see a goal like that for some time. But uh, I digress. I digress. Um, <laughs> sigh, big sigh. Luton Town. Right, I've said we obviously expected to win this. I don't think there's much to say here in that you're obviously going to agree on that. I, I really don't think there is much point even talking about expectations coming to this game. But, you know, looking at the sort of run of games we've had lately, you know, we had Burnley, which obviously we won in, in good style. I don't think, again, we were as positive as maybe we could have been, but it at least played into the way that Burnley play and, and sort of complemented that perfectly in terms of, you know, nicking the ball and all of that. But then we had Burnley, we had Everton, we had this. You're looking at these three games thinking these are really big opportunities to pick up points and push on. But, you know, in the wider context of things, it looks like we've now squandered that. So, you know, coming into what is now an incredibly tough run of games coming up, you've already talked about this again on the on the live last night. But just, just to recap, how do you really see Palace now looking at these fixtures up until the new year? Yeah, I just want to start by saying I've got to be very careful with what I say because um, I think it's hard because Luton are probably the best out of the three sides that have come up. So I don't want to disrespect them too much, but yesterday's result is down to tactics and individual errors um, because you should be beating a side like Luton. Um, because like you mentioned earlier, I said yesterday, man for man, Palace are a better side than them. Um, players on the bench, players in the starting eleven, a better side than them. But moving on, going forward, we've had two results in a row now where probably you should have taken three points in the game and you've taken nothing. Um, So they're worrying signs, really, that 
both defeats were in a similar fashion. Uh, you got West Ham next weekend or uh, Sunday, which is a huge game now. Um, and it's going to be difficult. West Ham are a bit of a funny side. You never know what West Ham are going to turn up. But I am going there expecting to get beat, which when I booked the tickets three weeks ago, I wasn't going there expecting to get beat. It's a good point. I mean, West Ham have invested much better than us. You know, they ha- they haven't you know gone without their own failures, but as a club, they seem like they're obviously back quite well, as I say. You know, they've brought in some incredibly exciting signings that look like they've made a real visible impact on the team there. They're a good side. They're regulars in Europe. You know, we, we always seem to either you know, come and stuck fantastically against them. Normally more at Selhurst these days, or we go to the London Stadium and put in a real shift. So, you know, there's a sort of a, a sort of nasty affinity we have with them in terms of how both teams seem to compete with each other. So, you know, when you actually look at the wider context, I mean, we've got Bournemouth in the mix, who, again, is a team we should really be beating. And I think Brentford will have a chance. But other than that, it's a bit of an, a, a sort of oasis in an otherwise deserted run of fixtures here. It's just, it looks terrible. And, and the optics of, of this defeat in the wider context are pretty shocking. But look, we have to have, you know, a proper look at the game itself because we can talk about, you know, the, the implications of that. We can talk about what should have happened. But the fact is, we simply weren't good enough. We cocked up far too many times and it really cost us dear. Let's not, as you say, disrespect Luton. They did play well enough and they probably on balance, partially because of Palace, but also on the back of their own you know, ability to press and to capitalise, you know, probably did deserve to come away with those three points because we simply didn't help ourselves. But um, that first 15 minutes wasn't too bad, was it, Bobby? Well, they were very good. Uh, I thought we were lively. Um, I thought they attacked well, uh, got into good positions. But crucially, they didn't score. And if you're going to enjoy a period of dominance in a game like that, you've got to score, Uh, especially against the Luton side who will dig in and they've got that spirit about them. Everyone keeps talking about a spirited Luton town. And you have to capitalise on those moments. You think of the Elise chance early on, which went just wide of the post, the fantastic double save uh, by Kaminsky after about 20 minutes, um, which denied Schlupp. But arguably, Schlupp pulled it too high, but nevertheless, it was a great save. And then Luton got into the game and Palace started to struggle. Uh, we yeah. started to see a Palace that went into their shells, uh, didn't really have the answers. Um, lost a bit of control in midfield who I, um, and that's down to Ross Barkley as well who I thought was brilliant yesterday uh, really really good um, but yeah it's just it's a difficult one to unpack really um, should have capitalised in the first 20 minutes if you get your goal then it's a totally different game and I think Palace do go on to win it comfortably but they didn't and it just played straight into Luton's hands yeah, I mean, that, that that sort of double save from Kaminsky was absolutely top class. I mean, I said before um, that I really think Kaminsky was someone we should have looked at as a backup keeper. I think he would have been happy with Sam Johnson to compete as a number two and have somewhat of a look in. He would have cost a fraction of the price that Dean Henderson did. Um, as an aside, people were really personally giving shtick to Dean Henderson, like adding him and things, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. So I don't want to really see that. Injured, is it? I, no, um, exactly. And, no, no. and it will come of a time where he does come good. So... Um, but then again, he can't kick a football without getting injured. It, it seems to be the case. Um, at Sheffield United, he had a horrific injury uh, and now coming online to Palace. And what was it, 20 minutes of football we had at Old Trafford mm. before getting injured? Um, but phenomenal goalkeeper. Really, although I say he can't kick a football, he's really good with his feet, but just been unfortunate with injuries recently. So he will come good. Um, mm. and yeah, not much more sound Dean Henderson, really. 
Yeah, separate aside there on the goalkeeping situation. But yeah, praise for Kaminsky. I mean, it, it again reminds me of Sam Johnson. He was at West Brom when he had a championship back line. He had Semi Ajayi and Tarnell Furlong every week yeah. in front of him. He conceded a lot, but individually his shot stopping was still pretty good and it pointed to the signs of a good keeper. So I think Kaminsky was a good pickup and again, someone we should have been looking at. But let's forget goalkeeping, all right? It was a good big, big flash of pan, pan kind of moment. We didn't take advantage of it. And at the end of the day, that was a big moment where we're kind of ruining our chance there. Hodgson himself, by the way, took time to praise Kaminsky and I think that's a testament to not only how well they dealt with that, but also to, to our own ability to create chances and not to take it. Um, there was then this horrible, horrible flashpoint. You know, the likes of Anderson had, had weathered the storm for the start. You know, we looked okay. We were going on the break. We were sort of having these big chances, as we say. And then Decore, pretty much sort of out of the blue, we have no real contact on him. He's, he's, he just sort of clutches and goes down. There's a visible, sorry, an audible scream that people hear. I mean, at the moment that happens, you're thinking the worst, aren't you, Bobby? Well, yeah, it was, um, not to forget, it was Eze first who went off injured about two minutes mm. before that. Um, and I mean, that was disgusting in the first half, that challenge on him. I, I thought the challenge was a foul anyway. But the fact um, the player grabbed his leg and you could just see it wasn't right. And it was, I don't understand how it wasn't given as a free kick. Uh, but that aside, it, it was, someone mentioned it was dark arts yesterday, but I, I didn't agree with that because, you know, he's injured a player. It, it was quite brutal it wasn't very nice to see and then Decore was just a killer um, I think we lost a lot of control in the game after any control we had in the game we couldn't really get a foothold in midfield after that um, and it's worrying because Palace now lack their best player for the rest of the season of course it's it's an absolute travesty to lose someone of Decore's ability and when we, we when we missed him we missed him you know what I mean when we had that kind of double pivot of Lamas Hughes. It just didn't quite work with the mismatch in pace and quality. I always think that they're both individually good players, but I think if you're going to play them together, they're probably better in a three. Again, very much another story because we're going to keep it snappy and really just focus deep on Luton on this one. But yeah, to lose as eight of a more minor injury than obviously to Coro to have such a serious injury like that is, a, is an absolute double blow to the club. Yeah. And so as I, It wasn't even the fact you lost him to a minor injury because that's fine. You can deal with that. He'll be back within the next couple of weeks, whether it's ready uh, in time for West Ham or games after that. But it was just the fashion as they went off injured. Um, it was a disgusting foul. And the fact it didn't even get picked up was just a bit of a joke. Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, up to a point, I get it with the referee, the way positioned, but the linesman at the very least should be up to I'd say the linesman that. was a matter of metres away. I could see mm. it from where I was sat in the ground with a pole in front of my head that it was a foul. <laughs> so I don't really see how it was missed. Yeah, bizarre one, bizarre one. Why it wasn't given is is it just baffles me to be honest. But there was uh, nothing else going on at the pitch at the time as well, which was weird. The ball was mm-hmm. there, so I don't get where they were actually watching because if you can't see that's a foul, then serious questions have got to be raised. On a slightly light-hearted note, before we drill into from basically what bad went from bad to worse, how did you find it at Kenilworth Road? Because it's a bit of a collector's item, and I'm sure you must be happy to have at least said you've been to Kenilworth Road now. Yeah, I mean, I'm pleased I've been there. I've, I've always wanted to go. Um, I remember a, a little Bobby uh, being obsessed with the fact you had to walk through houses and always wanted to go down there just to see that. Mm. But I mean, going there, it's um, I would describe it as a word that I probably can't use on the pod. Um, <laughs> it's it's a bit of a strange area, to say the least, a bit of a weird ground, but uh, it's yeah. proper old fashioned. Um, and as you say, a collector's item. And I was pleased to get it ticked off, just not pleased with the result. You know, Lucent fans actually, despite our like dreadful, dreadful performance, paid credit to our um, away support because they've had previously most of the teams that have come up have just been full of kind of 
London-based Liverpool and Man United supporters are not really making a lot of noise, whereas Palace, I think they were the first season to really go and get behind their team and uh, make a lot of noise from start to finish. Yeah, I must so that's admit, something... I've, been, I've been to quite a few um, away games this season, or most of the away games even, um, and that was the liveliest an away end has been um, for the long time. Uh, when Palace scored uh, the Elise goal, not the one that was disallowed, I've not felt an end erupt like that in quite a while. Yeah, I've only been doing the Northern ones, to be fair. So I, I did Sheffield at the start of the season and I did the 3-0 defeat on a Tuesday at Old Trafford in the... Uh, yeah, the I was there too. It wasn't, it wasn't a fun night and I missed the league game because of the train strikes. Yeah, so, I mean, I haven't really been able to get to Canada Road myself. It's been a mixture of time and commitment. But, I mean, very happy that you were at least able to go there, even if it's a, a result that will probably stick out for the wrong reasons. Um, before we look at the, again, just a bit about... Um, Maybe it's sort of the idea of sleepwalking into a crisis and where this ranks in terms of most embarrassing defeats. Um, I want to focus on the rest of the game because I think we, again, have to unpick this in detail. We've lost Decore to what now looks like a six-month Achilles tendon injury. It's, that's sources firm that are just coming out of the press. Um, we have to give a shout-out to our good friend of the pod, Evan Brack, of the South London Press, by the way, who delivered a really good piece today on that. Um, it's not the news we wanted, it's the news we expected, and there's not much more to say than that. As a, It doesn't look like it will be measured in months, probably more weeks, but again, a terrible double blow. And then really we sort of lose a bit of momentum, but, you know, despite all that, I think Palace sort of have their chances, a few a few decent ones. Edouard then gets played in by a sumptuous ball from Michael Elise, who returns to make his first start. You know, he gets flagged for a handball, basically, which I don't think is unfair. I think it's clear that there's a very mild amount of contact that he uses to sort of help control it. And it's such a shame because it was otherwise a wonderful assist and a wonderful takedown from Edouard and a great finish. But if he just kept his hand maybe a few centimetres away and there's no contact, who's to say he still doesn't control it and score it? You know, it's, it's such a huge mischance again from us. But again, at least we can show our ability to run in behind. I mean, what did you think of that whole handball debacle and was it the right call? Yeah, it was the right call. Um, they got it right, um, as much as it pains me to say it. Um, as in the fact we didn't score, not the fact they got it right. It's actually nice to see referees get something right for once. Um, but I think he's unfortunate. But then again, if he doesn't handle it, I don't think he scores um, because it gets the ball in front of him and it, it makes the situation better for him. But I want to touch on Edward a bit wider than that, really, to say that if that goal is allowed or if he scores in the game or whatever... There's been a lot of stick for Edward, but if he's scoring goals, does it matter how well he plays in the game? Yes and no. I mean, I think he has an impact on the team, but I don't even think the stats show that impact's bad. I mean, he actually has one of the best dual-winning weights in the squad. He, he plays from the front as well. He's no Jordan I, you in that sense, but he's still good, right? I think I couldn't get it, the stat confirmed, but I compared him against a lot of players. So I was in the process of writing an article on Edward um, in the league. And... Um, I couldn't find anyone else who has attempted more duels than him. Um, but I just couldn't get that stat to prove it. So Still, I say he, he works so hard. Yeah. Um, it was something like 150 duels so far this season. It is phenomenal numbers, even though he's not winning all of them. Um, but no, phenomenal numbers he's putting. He works so hard. And like I say, if he's scoring goals, he's got five this season. Maybe could have had six yesterday. Um, a couple of moments in front of goal where I thought he should have done better. But if he gets to the point where he's scoring goals and scoring goals, I don't think the poor performances really matter. And I think if you see one or two more hit the back of the net for him in the next couple of weeks, um, you could see an upward turn in form because at the start of the season, he was brilliant. And obviously got that unfortunate injury where he's out for the two United, uh, two games at United. Um, and then we haven't seen the, Edward, the same Edouard come back since that injury. 
I mean, that being said, if you look at the wider context, he's on five goals. So I know most of them have been proper poachers' goals, but that alone proves that if we get the right service into him, he is capable enough to be that 10-plus goal-a-season striker. And he's still on track for that, by the way, by a good margin, yeah, yeah. you know. So I think there's not much to be concerned there. You know, do we need another competitive forward? Maybe, you know, but I mean, it's something we should definitely... I think they definitely need a forward. Um, <laughs> I do think they definitely need a forward uh, who offers that bit more. Um but for now, if as long as you as long as he's scoring goals and scoring goals, important goals, this is the thing, a meaningless goal. I mean, on that note, I don't want to talk too much on these wider club issues because I think we'll, we'll have a little bit of time at the end for that. But um, just to go on from there, I mean, we have these kind of near misses, these chances throughout the game. You know, despite these injuries, we're kind of still very much within it. We look like we might be able to nick something, and then it just goes from bad to worse, doesn't it? Tell us about particularly that. Um, you know, that, that corner goal they scored from Tendon Mengi. I mean, it's it's classic Palace to give a player his first senior goal, isn't it? But I mean, there's more to it than that. It's a, it's a set-piece frailty we've seen. So walk us through it. Well, I wish you hadn't told me that it was his first senior goal because I was unaware of that until you just said that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely classic Palace. Um, I could see it coming a mile away. I must admit the goal. Um, the first corner they had in the game, they looked like scoring from. It was weak defending from Palace. I think they then had another corner where it was quite similar and you thought, right, they're going to score eventually from a corner if they get any more. And exactly that happened. I think Anderson probably should have won the initial header. And then I use in a poor position. Uh, the two players had come running from the edge of the box. They kind of overwhelmed us on the right-hand side. And it was an easy finish for him. It was a good finish, but it was an easy finish. No, no, completely. I, I think there was a total failure of, of marking and I, Hodgson doesn't strike me as a zonal marking type. I don't think we've ever tried to employ something like that where there's a more, bit more of a system in place. I know it's not just Roy that would determine that it is a wider coaching decision, but that being said, I think it's actually Dean Kiley that handles that. But um, I digress, you know. There's obviously a problem a... in itself. I mean, how you can have a goalkeeping coach do your set pieces, no matter how good or bad they might be, is just baffling to me. Yeah, I, I just think there's extra support that's needed on that, whether we bring in someone, whether there's just a, a kind of an updating of responsibilities, whether there's a, a call to seriously look at it more. I don't know, but there has to be some change there because, you know, we actually started the season comparatively actually being quite good from set pieces, having this kind of island in our voice stormy period where we've been terrible in set pieces for some time. But yeah, yeah Anderson... The side yeah. who conceded the least goals in the league from set pieces. I don't know if that was still the case, but I know a couple of weeks ago it certainly was. Yeah, we were up there with Spurs a few weeks ago. I don't know how that's changed, like you say, but I, I don't think we can be far off that as well. So the record's not too bad for once. But, you know, again, I think the same sorts of errors are being made that have been made for the last couple of years. And it, it was apparent. Again, it was a shame because Anderson generally started the season as one of our best players. He even started the game pretty well. But towards the end, I mean, we'll get onto the big Anderson screw up. But, um, you know, he really struggled to win his headers. He didn't really mark his man properly. There was a bit of a positional kind of unawareness that we don't really see from someone of his quality and I'm not going to slate him but we have to put blame on him for this one because I mean he was shocking this game and that's really out of character for someone as good as him but let's get on to the main event let's not waste time um you know their second goal I mean but we'll look at the Elise one in between but I mean their second goal was calamitous wasn't it from us well just pick back up on what you just said then about Anderson Uh, it's two league games on the trot whereby he's made poor mistakes and not had the greatest of games which is slightly concerning to me, but a player of his quality, you'd expect him to be able to turn the corner at some point. Um, but yeah, the defending for the second goal is appalling. Um, great ball across from Ogbeni, who I thought was brilliant yesterday. And uh, he, he is fantastic. I really rate um, him as a man cup, yeah. of the match, or, or, or the man of the match, even by a yeah. long way. I thought he was fantastic, and it's a great ball across from him. 
But after that, it's just chaos from the Palace defence. I mean, I put it down to a lack of communication between Johnson and Anderson. Someone's got a call for it. Uh, Anderson kind of puts his arms uh, down to say as if he's not going to do it and the keeper should come. And the keeper's not coming because he's expecting his defender to clear it. It's just void of any communication between the two. And you pay the price. I mean, it's awful defending. I do think Johnson should have come for it after Anderson didn't. But then again, we are talking a matter of milliseconds. So he probably can't react that quickly anyway. So I, I do think 90% of the blame for that goal is on Anderson. Yeah, it reminded me of the, ironically, the Edward goal against Everton where Tarkovsky kind of signalled to Pickford to that you know that disclaim it and, and he indicated his willingness to not deal with it and just said no you've got this you've got this only for them to both miscommunicate in that split second and it's exactly the same problem that we've just had you know it's very difficult unless you rehearse that and unless you kind of have that implicit understanding that's already worked out it's very hard in, in a matter of a second or two to get that right you know and we it cost us it really cost us but let's let's have a little I didn't like the build-up yeah. to that goal either mm. because um Palace had attacked and Luton had got away quickly on the counter but Mitchell's positioning was concerning because he stayed really high. Mm. And I don't know what he thought he was going to do there by going to the ball and challenging it. If he would have got back into his position on the left, Lerma then would have been in the right place in the middle of the part and that ball does not come across. Yeah. That's so, a very good spot, actually, because I, I don't pick up these sorts of things. I, I was more focused on the error itself. So it's a really good point, actually, you make there. But then again, Mitchell was good yesterday. So I, I do find it hard to... I, I'm not blaming him for the goal, mm. but I'm just thinking if he was back in his position, I don't think Obeni gets that ball across. Yeah, then it's a very good point. I mean, you know, Obeni was a player that I think not only did he run the show for that individual moment, but I think throughout the game, he he cooked Ward, frankly. I mean, he was a threat all the time. He's quick, he's nimble. You know, he looked good for Rotherham before they picked him up on the cheap. And um, Rotherham, by the way, really seemed to miss him as far as I can tell. But yeah, I, I mean, wrote a piece for Vavil um, on the game yesterday. Yeah. Um, I think it came out this evening, but I wrote it this morning um, mm. about Ward. And it was a match ratings for the game. And I gave him a three out of 10. But really and truly, if I was being brutally honest, I could have given him a one out of 10. Mm. Um, it was the worst performance I've ever seen him have in a Palace shirt. Um, Benny just ruined him time after time. Um, he didn't look like he knew what he was doing. He was poor going forward. He was poor defensively. It just looked like a bit of a headless chicken out there. And it was yeah. um And it comes back to the wider issue of why haven't you signed a right back? Yeah, we could, we've talked, we've done that to death, to be honest. I don't want to whip that horse because there's so much we could say about that. We'll, yeah, we'll definitely touch on it again. I didn't go deeper than that, but I thought <laughs> it has to be said. Mm, no, it has to be. I mean, it's, it's not Ward's fault, but he'd be better played as a right centre-back or something. You know, he's lost the pace. He's lost some of that 1v1 ability that you get as a more isolated right back. Going forward, he's not that great at all. In fact, he's probably statistically one of the worst in the league in terms of percentiles. So he he does suck, unfortunately. He's got a, some individual qualities that are brilliant. Don't get me wrong. And as a person, he's one of the best leaders we have in the squad. But I think it was just one of those, those examples where, you know, he comes up against someone incredibly technical and he's not really cut out with his toolkit for it. He just didn't show that. And even then, we've seen him play better. Let's be honest. I think it was a really disappointing game for him, but I won't um, dwell on that. Before I look at the wider context of this game, before we close on, on the game itself, I want to just, you know, end on a bit of a high in terms of play because I did promise we'd go back and look at that Elise goal. Um, and we joked, obviously, it would have been a goal of the season contender had what just happened today at the time of recording not happen. But um, nonetheless, you know, Ward, 
for, for all his calamitous performances in that game, he managed to get an assist by laying it off on the halfway line to Elise. Although, let's be honest, I think Elise does all the work there. So let's just run through yeah, that. In my world, it's not an assist for Ward. He's just passed the ball to a player who's run through half of Luton's team. It's uh, it's wonderful. It's yeah. wonderful. And it's topped off by a majestic finish by Elise. It's just a brilliant goal. I just can't sum it up in any more words than that. It's just fantastic. It's, it's you know, we, we really talked about this. Someone actually raised the idea that, you know, we're told Eze is a £70 million player. Don't want to debate this right now, but someone raised the idea that he's this big money player. He's our star man who changes games. But actually, he goes missing. He went missing and he has gone missing before in certain times and doesn't seem to have the ability to just take a game out the scruff of his neck like Elise does. And if there's one thing Elise really showed there, it's kind of, you know, when he's pissed off, when he's furious, he, he plays with his emotions sometimes. You could see he wasn't having it and he just decided, right, I'm doing it myself. We're leaving here with something. He sort of drives in, picks it up on the byway line from um, from Ward and just sort of, he actually goes off the pitch just to keep the ball in play. He skins his man for pace. I think it's Amari Bell he does that. I mean, just absolutely runs in, cuts in. And I then think just... it's the only time Amari Bell was beaten in the game as well. Mm. It was just, just wonderful. Um, on his own, carried the team on his back, got to the edge of the box and just curled it in. It's just, yeah. just not much more can be said about that. I think the goal just speaks for itself. There's no words I can use that give justice to how good it was. That is phenomenal. I mean, uh, the, the run in itself is world-class. The finish, even more so. I mean, it, it was a serious piece of quality that reminded fans of what we've missed for so long from him. And if there's one bright spark from that game, it's that at least he's returning and he's straight back on form. He's not showing signs of slowing down or being quite off it when he needs to get up to speed. He looks ready. And if there's one creative outlet that is first team ready, that is able to make an impact, that is trusted by Roy, it's him. You know, he's our probably our biggest bright spark going into this horrific run of games. And we really need to count on him for some big moments if we're to sort of just bumble through and survive and maybe pull up a few shock wins, you know. However unlikely that may be, that's another story. But I want to ask a, a question now that we've looked at some of the key talking points of the game. A lot of people were saying this right up there with 4-0 Sunderland or 7-0 Liverpool was one of the most embarrassing defeats in Palace in Palace's recent history. I mean, where does that rank for you? I don't think it's the most embarrassing defeat in recent history. But I will use this word and say it was the most frustrating defeat in recent history. Um, it's the most agitated I've walked away from a ground after a loss. Um because it's like we all said, it's a game you should be winning. Um, I don't I don't like that attitude. It's a game you should be winning or whatever. But if you look at it, 11 for 11, you should be beating Luton. And if you look at the way we started, um, if you would have carried on like that, then I do think you'd have gone on to win the game. Um, but in terms of ranking with embarrassing defeats, it's certainly not up there with a 7-0 against Liverpool or the 4-0 against Sunderland. Um, I'm trying to think now what else there is. Um, 5-4. I don't know if you can call that embarrassing. We scored a lot of goals. Oh, the 5-4. It's, it's a yeah. phenomenal game of football. Um, disappointing, but phenomenal game of football. So I can't call that um, embarrassing. Yeah, it's something, isn't it? I mean, it's one of those games that I think was... <sighs> I'm obviously less annoyed than I was at the time, just having let, you know, having had a day to sleep on it. But I, I still can't get my head around it up to a point. Uh, it was a game that... You know, the game plan looks to be working. There were signs of that. The individuals should be outclassing them. And we just, through a lack of concentration, through, you know, lax communication, through organisational failure, just utterly failed to, you know, be as watertight and be as organised and disciplined as a Roy Hodgson team can be. Everyone, including Roy himself, can do better than that. I think, to be fair on him, Roy said after the Everton game on, on his podcast appearance lately, 
that um you know no one else more than him feels emotional when 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 a team loses you know he said he wanted to hurt someone after the Everton game and ended up hurting himself um I don't know if he kept a table or something that was but... a weird um thing that he said actually I, I still can't quite make sense of that quote I mean it was a fun one but um yeah no I mean I, I kind of understand what he means in that I think you know he feels the passion as much as anyone else he doesn't want to let emotions get in the way of the job but even he is not immune to that um I have no doubt he will be giving people a rocking in the dressing room. Um, you know, he 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 would have been the first to to slam everyone, um, to pick up on those individuals that made a mistake, and then to say, right, back to training, back to the drawing board, dust off and move on. I don't think the squad will the squad will feel it for a few days, which is what he said. But I don't think it will dent their overall belief in their quality. You know, we can bounce back from this. I think it's just that was such a prime opportunity for three massive points that we're just not going to get for a while. And we have to live with what we've got now. And that's a real risk. Um before we close, I want to end on one debating point because I'm aware that we game has just come to mind. Um yeah. in back to defeat. The right back we go. <laughs> to Bristol yeah. City um in the cup a couple of years back. I think it was probably 2017, something like that. Yeah. That's a I shout. Think- I think that's up there. Um, as I say, I don't think losing 2-1 to Luton, who took Liverpool close, beat Everton, and are a Premier League side. I don't think that's mm. as embarrassing as any of the three we already discussed. Yeah, still, it's a good point. And, uh, you know, that's one that, again, will probably haunt supporters. Um, one thing I wanted to end on before we wrap up is a lot of people were saying, you know, this run of form we've got, but we've failed to really beat most, if not all of us. Well, I suppose Burnley, we have to discount, don't we? But... Basically, we failed to win against most of the teams that should be well below us this season. We struggled otherwise. You know, we flew to win against United. But other than that, it's been pretty bleak so far. This idea that we started well is kind of a myth at this point. It's evaporated. You know, we had a we had a good win against Wolves at Sheffield, which to be fair is true. But, you know, we've dropped off and, and been below par for some time now. This is like the, the bad form under Vieira, you know, when he got sacked. And it looks like it's only going to get worse. And people were saying, you know, at what point could Roy Hodgson actually be sacked? Do you think that will happen? Um, I don't think Palace will ever sack Roy Hodgson publicly in those words. Um, I think if he does leave the club, it would be a nicely worded statement to say that he stepped down. Um, but to answer the question, I think these games coming up are huge. Um spoke to someone yesterday who pointed towards um, the new year um, if things don't start to change. But I think, in my opinion, these next four to five games are huge. And if you don't win one of these, I think he could be in a bit of trouble. Um, I mean, there's managers, there's a shortlist. Um, there's one who's been around the club in recent weeks. But it's just a time will tell kind of thing. This season was never supposed to be exciting um, as much as it pains us as fans. There's zero jeopardy on it, really, um, because they're not in any danger of going down. They're not in any uh, chance of really pushing on. So it's anywhere between 11th and 16th kind of finish. And Roy is the man, in the opinion of the club, to guide Palace to that finish before starting a new project or carrying on the project that ended. The project didn't even end. That's harsh as well. It's just that this was a pause in performance-wise, if you like. It was just get to safety, keep another year in the Premier League and then go again with a more exciting manager the following year. So I don't think job uh, Roy's job is at any immediate risk, but I do think, and I think it's self-explanatory as well, if yeah. you lose four games or you, know, you only pick up one point in your next five or whatever, going into Brighton, I then think something would have to change. Mm. 
just to close with my own thoughts on that, you know, I think first of all, any calls for him to go were premature, were kind of knee jerk. And I understand the sense of feeling around that because I felt it too, I empathise with it, but I don't think there's any chance that off that game, he's in serious danger. But I think the run I had of games... a lot of like, messages last night. Um, yeah. Roy should go, Roy should be there. Mm. I, I made sure not to reply until this morning because yeah. in your own mind, as a Palace fan, and I make no secret I'm a Palace fan, obviously, um, you 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 feel the emotion after the game. And when you kind of let it set in, yes, you've lost 2-1 to lose, and yes, it's a game you should be winning. But do you do something knee-jerk like that? No. And that's why no. none of us football club. No, it was a ridiculous suggestion. I think even if we go on a particularly bad run of games, I think the loyalty that the board showed to Roy is... You know, if you're in Roy's position, it's obviously quite reassuring. I don't think there'll be any doubt over his job. I think it would take a lot for that to happen. The only time I could see that is if we somehow got dragged into a relegation scrap, which I'm sure we agree won't happen. So, you know, I think, again, it's it's far too premature for that. But nonetheless, I think it was interesting that people were making these comparisons in form. And it's something that simply can't be ignored. You know, I think we are in essentially this this, this longer term run or have the potential to be in this longer term run where you know, wins are kind of like islands in the storm, which is a phrase I've used quite a bit. It feels like we're going to pick up the occasional win, lose a few games, maybe get a few good results, then get back to these long periods of very drab football of incredible disappointment. Um, it's an awful time to be a fan at the moment. We've spoken before on the pods in a lighter sense, this idea that this is a filler season, this is a nothing season. There will be no major business that isn't already part of a longer term plan. I was trying to look for earlier rather than yeah. any project or whatever I characterise as filler, I think it's spot on. Yeah, we're not going to do well, anything dramatic. Yeah, and yeah, picking up on what you said about relegation, I mean, it's going to take anywhere between thirty and thirty-five points to stay up this year because of the lack of quality at the bottom half of the table. Palace are halfway there already, so they're not in any threat of going down. I mean, or if we do end up going down, then obviously I'll eat these words. But I think if you look at it from a neutral perspective, like I say, Palace are in no danger at all. They're halfway there; they have to beat. Burnley, Sheffield United again, pick up a couple of draws and one win out of the other sides in the league. I don't think it's that hard of a task. Yeah, no, no, totally. I, I don't think so. But I think, you know, I think the worst is yet to come up to a point this season, which is a terrible note to end the pod on. Aren't we an optimistic bunch? Yay. Um, on that note, I need a drink. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. It's Right, uh, and on the 27th, three points. Oh, God. It's not imagine. the 27th, is it? The Chelsea's the 27th. When's Brighton? Oh, gosh, um, it's, it's a Thursday night it's a Thursday it's a, yeah it's it's much earlier than the 27th so that's your three points to look forward to well can uh, you imagine on the 21st possible? that's it the 21st yeah that's the day I just wanted to check yeah yeah no it's a good point who knows anything could happen this is you know after all the Palace way but it's, and on that wonderful second bombshell guys it's uh, it's time to wrap up but thank you very much for tuning in to this snappy episode of the Palace way we'll be back with analysis of whatever the hell comes next because that's how the club's feeling at the moment. It's a bit of a roller coaster, but we're glad to have you all along for the ride. If you're not already following us on Twitter, please follow us at the Palace Sway on Twitter. And if you want to check out our website for all the latest in our in our absolutely superb quality of content that we're putting out there, which by the way, Bobby, you've done a terrific job in handling. Uh, you can find that at thepalaceway.com. Bobby, anything else to add? He's swigging a beer. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, enjoyed my first episode on. You were fantastic, and, yeah. Good to have you. Yeah, keep keep an eye on the content. Um, I'm sure with January coming up, we'll have a few scoops. Hopefully, if if people decide to give them that, give them to us. That is, um, follow me on Twitter if you're not following me already. And I think that's about it. What's your app, by the way? Just for those listening, 
Uh, I think it's at manz underscore Bobby. That's the one. Um, so yeah, please check out our socials. Um, we'll post everything there in terms of updates and more. Um, but as always, we will see you in the next one. And hopefully we will not be talking about such a disappointing result. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. Cheers, Bye. Lad.